Hey ladies, welcome to the Happy Body Podcast. I'm your host, Brooke. Does it feel like your brain is on overdrive? Maybe you're struggling with spiraling thoughts, uncertainty, and feeling like you can't relax. Well, hey, I have a solution for you. I'm a hypno coach, and I help women just like you every single day change the way their brains think so they can move through life's ups and downs feeling calm, confident, and energized. Let's dive in. I am so excited to introduce my guest today, Dr. Erin Kinney. She is a naturopathic doctor, speaker, and podcast host who helps stressed out patients improve their mood, balance their hormones, and increase their energy. She's incredibly passionate about teaching her patients to understand why stress causes so many problems in the body and how they can change their response to stress so they can take back control in both their bodies and their lives. Her practice has helped thousands of women balance their hormones, achieve their weight goals, and get back to feeling like themselves. And in addition to her practice, Dr. Kenny offers workshops, retreats, and online programs. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. Well, right before we hit record, I was telling Dr. Kinney how her work has very much inspired so much of what I teach with my clients about this emotional connection to our health, right? It comes back to stress. It comes back to that mind-body connection. And I love how you really pull that in in everything that you teach. So why don't you tell us, Dr. Kinney, how does chronic stress impact the body? Because I cannot stress this enough when working it's, with my clients. Yeah. And it's, I think it's so important to understand it because I think everybody, I'm sure you're listening. You're like, yeah, I know stress makes things worse in my body. Like we all know that when we're stressed, we don't feel as good. Right. Or mm -hmm. if you have a condition, so you have psoriasis or you have eczema or you've got some other chronic health condition. Usually it gets worse when we're under a lot of stress and everyone kind of knows that. But what I like to do is kind of really explain why that happens. And then people are like, oh, okay. Then they're much more likely to do the things that reduce the stress that, you know, that your body has on it. So this is a little bit of a long-winded answer. So I'm going to start with, we need to understand that the hormone cortisol, which we think of as our stress hormone, we need to understand like it's full, you know, use in the body. It's, it's really not the stress hormone. It's really the hormone that our body makes in order to give us energy to deal with whatever stress we have. So it's a really important hormone. It's one of the main things that it wakes you up in the morning. It can controls your circadian rhythm. It is also one of the best anti-inflammatory molecules in the body. So I like to call it the fix it hormone. If you don't have enough cortisol, your body's going to have issues. Likewise, if you have too much cortisol, there can be other issues. So what tends to happen is when we're in acute stress, so, in, and I'm going to refer to that as fight flight mode. So when we are, something triggers us to go into fight flight mode, which is when the body is like, all right, I'm ready to run or fight from whatever the stressor is, our body is going to pump out cortisol and it's going to pump out adrenaline. And there's a series of hormonal cascades that happen where the body will produce a hormone called cortical releasing hormone. That's just mean the brain that will tell the adrenals again to pump out this cortisol and adrenaline. And that cortisol and adrenaline will give you the energy. It'll give you what you need to go deal with whatever. Let's say it was a lion chasing you, or, you know, you have to like do something really fast or on your feet. Like your boss is like, Hey, I need this. And you're like, Oh, I better get this turned around really quickly. You need those hormones in order to make that happen. Right? So in an acute stressful situation, the stressor comes on, our body produces these hormones, and then the stressor is over. We've dealt with it. It's done. What's supposed to happen is that cortisol is supposed to go back to the brain 
And there's actually a little receptor there. I like to call it the off button. And it turns off further production of cortisol. So the body mm -hmm. has this like built-in negative feedback loop where it's like, we go into stress mode and then the body's like, okay, we're done with stress mode. We're going to relax again. And so that's kind of what we were designed to do. We were designed to like go into stress mode, deal with the stressor, and then come back to this like relax, what we call it the rest and digest phase of the nervous system. And we're supposed to spend about 90% of our time in that rest and digest and only about 10% of our lives in that, in that acute fight flight. So what happens? That's fascinating, under... by the way. Oh, it's not true. Like yes. 90% of the time we're supposed to be in rest and digest. Yeah. Which is not, it's, most people what? don't operate that way. No. Most of us are flipped. Most of us spend 90% of our lives in stress mode and 10% in that relaxed mode. Um, or some people don't ever spend any time in the relaxed mode because that doesn't, and I'm going to explain what mm -hmm. happens there. So when, and I like to use March of 2020 as a good example, we can all think back to March of 2020, where, you know, our stress triggers were getting punched constantly. The body was like, oh, stress, oh, stress, oh, stress. And so what tends to happen is if the body is constantly, that fight flight is constantly getting triggered, your, your body's pretty wise. And it's like, okay, so I just went to fight flight mode. I probably could turn off fight flight mode, but I'm pretty sure she or he's just going to put me back into fight flight mode. So it, it actually turns off that receptor that allows you to turn off. So it turns wow. off the off buttons. So then what happens is you literally get stuck in fight flight mode. So the body's like, and it does it as a, as a protective mechanism. But I was like, okay, there's a lot of stressful stuff going on. I probably should just stay in this, in this state so that I can handle the stress. So, which is okay for a period of time. Like in March of 2020, we all kind of needed that. Like, or if you go through a move or if you're going through a divorce or you're going through like maybe changing jobs, you might need to be stuck in fight flight mode for a few weeks, right? So that you can handle whatever's being thrown at you. But what happens is if, so when you're stuck in that fight flight mode, then your adrenals are in a constant state of pumping out adrenaline and cortisol, which again is okay for a short period of time. Mm -hmm. So if you're constantly pumping out adrenaline and cortisol, cortisol being the big one, at some point, your body is going to run out of the building blocks that it needs to make cortisol in particular. Cortisol is what I like to call a very metabolically expensive hormone. It takes a lot of nutrients. It takes a lot of energy to build it. So if we start to run out of the building blocks to make it, eventually your body is going to be like, oh crap, I don't have enough cortisol. And so what it will do is it first, it will start to steal from some of your other hormones. So it, it'll steal from progesterone, mostly in women, it'll steal from testosterone in men. And so we can start to see hormonal dysregulation. So this is kind of how chronic stress can start to affect the hormone realm. So what tends to happen is when you've been stuck in chronic stress, we tend to see a decline in cortisol levels over time. And again, I mentioned how cortisol is this really important fix-it anti-inflammatory, like get up and go hormone. If you start to have a decline in that hormone, you will start to have health issues. And it mm. could be, again, it could be in the hormonal realm. It could be in the digestive tract. It could be headaches. It could be joint pain. It could be any symptom where the body just doesn't have enough of that cortisol to go fix that symptom. So, you know, when I, I teach a workshop about this and I, I, I run a list of like all the things that chronic stress can cause, I don't think there's anything that can go wrong in the body that chronic stress doesn't contribute to. So if you've yeah. got something going on in your body and it's been kind of there for a while, probably stress has some impact on it, particularly if you've been stuck in stress mode for a while. And like we just talked about, most of us have had chronic stress at some yeah. point in our lives. And this is something that I know personally I went through and I see this so often with clients is almost not realizing that they're in chronic stress. Oh yeah. And so they'll say, well, I'm having these feelings or I'm not sleeping good at night, or I've got a lot of anxious thoughts, but like, okay, how's your stress level? Oh, I'm not that stressed. And then usually by like session three, when they've learned how to hit the off switch again, mm -hmm. they start 
oh my God, I had no idea how stressed I was. So I'm curious, like, what are some of the symptoms that maybe some of these like super women who are go, go, go They're they're wearing their busy badge. What are some of the things that you see that maybe we can all look out for and say, these are signs that you might need to slow down, practice relaxing? Yeah. So anxious racing thoughts. And a lot of times, if you're like a go-getter and you're an overachiever, you might, that might just feel normal for you to feel anxious. So like a high achieving anxiety kind of thing where you're like, Oh, like I get a lot done and I'm constantly busy. And you know, if you're, if you're constantly busy and you don't know how to relax, you're definitely stuck in fight flight. Um, a lot of like symptoms I'll hear is people waking up at 3am and having trouble going back to sleep, waking up with racing thoughts, or they're waking up at like 4.30 and are just like bouncing out of bed, like ready to go. But then they may be tired in the afternoon, any sort of fatigue at any point in the day can be a symptom. Um, although sometimes if you're having a lot of anxiety, you might not feel tired or if you can't function without coffee, that's a big one. If you like have to have your coffee to get going. Um, and in some people, their energy levels stay fine, but they might start to have issues elsewhere. They might be like, they might have digestive issues. They might have joint pain. They might have muscle aches. They might start to have a little bit of brain fog or memory. Um, it, it really can be symptoms all over the map. And I'll say this, that it's, if it's a symptom that you've kind of been struggling with and you've been to see, you know, primary care and they've run general labs and they're like, oh, you're fine. Then it's probably related to stress. Mm. I mean, it could be related to something yeah. else, but usually that's a, a common thing. I see that like, you know, your CBC and your metabolic panel and all your basic labs look totally normal. And your doctor's like, yeah, you know, you're fine. It's you're probably just, yeah. stressed. And you're probably good. And, and not that, and I, I hate to always say that you're just stressed because that like, I don't, I don't, that's almost like dismissive of the, cause stress will cause very physical symptoms in the body. But I think oftentimes a lot of my patients are like, man, I feel so frustrated. I've been to doctor after doctor. I really don't feel good, but they keep telling me I'm fine. I'm just stressed. And they're like, yeah. I don't even really feel that stressed. So this can be, so if you've kind of been told that, then yes, it, it probably is just, that doesn't mean that your physical symptoms are any less real or any less valid. Yes. I'm so glad you said that because that is something that this idea of like, oh, it's all in my head. It's not that it's all it's in, not your, in head. your head. It's very physical in yeah. the body and stressful causes. Like I said, it causes very physical symptoms. It doesn't mean that there's like some of the stress symptoms that I see, they may not be a full-blown pathology. Like you don't have cancer, you know, you don't have some serious thing that needs to be treated kind of from a Western, but that doesn't mean that your body isn't kind of screaming at you like, Hey, I need some help. I don't don't have enough of the hormones that I need to fix this. Right. Right. So what do you typically share with your patients that are experiencing chronic stress? What are some of your protocols for that? Well, I think, so I I always try to differentiate when I'm sitting down with like my one-on-one patients that, you know, there, there can be external stressors. So there can be things like job stress or marital stress or children's stress or friend stress or pandemic stress or, you know, anything that's kind of external to you. And some of those things we have control over and some of them we don't, but it's good to kind of first identify them. And some of my patients sit down and they're like, yeah, I don't have any of that. Like I have good marriage and my kids are great. I'm financially secure. Like they're like, no, 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 nothing in my external world is stressing me out. And that, that actually can be a a real, like people might not have a lot of external stress, Mm -hmm. but they could still be presenting, you know, their bodies presenting me like it's really stressed out. And so that usually I'm going to go look for what we call, I call internal stressors. So that could be nutrient deficiencies, food allergies, that could be an infection. Like I often am screening my patients for Lyme disease or Epstein-Barr virus. So there could be something that's like living in the body internally Mm -hmm. that's causing an internal straight state of stress. And a lot of naturopaths or functional docs will help you kind of uncover what's going on. Like mold exposure, for example, could be something that's causing major internal stress. And so I I first kind of try to tease out like, and sometimes it's a combo of both. It might be like, Hey, like I'm in a job that I hate. And maybe there's a severe nutrient deficiency and a food allergy. We need to work on those things. And granted, 
we might not be able to fix the job that you hate or that's really stressful, but we might be able to fix the internal things, which can lower the overall stress. So it's, it's kind of like first identifying what's going on. Like, let's mm-hmm. figure out like, what are, what are the things in your life that are, because once we kind of identify that, and to your point, some people don't even realize that they're stressed. And so kind of just starting to talk about it and be like, oh yeah, you know what? That friendship that I'm in, that really does stress me out a lot. Or I did go through three major things three months ago. I didn't even realize how much of an impact they had on me emotionally. So usually like awareness is the first step. Like we need to become aware of what's impacting our physical body, our emotional body, and even maybe our spiritual body too. So those three big things. And then once we're aware of them, then again, like if it's an internal thing, we start to work on protocols to do that. And that can be very dependent on what's going on. In terms of external stressors and things that we can't change, I, you know, start to have people add in, again, if we can't change said stressor, what we want to do is we start, want to start to add in times in your day where you get out of fight flight mode. So, and this is where, and this is a concept I teach a lot. I talk about a lot on social media is like practicing, relaxing. So if you're constantly go, 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 go. And you're like on the go all the time. And like the thought of meditation is like, well, I would never do that. You actually have to train your brain and your body that it's okay to calm down. And so when you do that, that receptor that I was talking about, that off button that your body's kind of down-regulated, practicing meditation, reading, laying down, doing anything that relaxes, you actually upregulates the production of that. So it'll allow the body to be able to turn off again. So that's the point, like, and I, I had a patient in here this morning that was like a self-proclaimed, you know, wearing her busy badge. And she's like, well, I'm never going to relax. And she's an athlete. She'd run marathons. And I was like, well, before you were a runner, did you think you were just going to wake up one day and run a marathon? She was like, no. And then I had to trade for it. I'm like, well, exactly. If you've never meditated before, you could never expect to be like, oh, tomorrow I'm going to sit and have an enlightened meditation for an hour. No way. Mm-hmm. It might take you two years to get there. You've got to start mm-hmm. small and you have to start practicing and you have to do it every day. And it's in the practice of it that you start to get better. So Yes. I, I, I work that. a lot with patients on that is like figuring out. And for some people, the first step might be they're taking a mindful walk. If they're like, I can't sit still, I can't sit down. Like, okay, we're going to take a walk. You're going to not have a phone. You're not going to listen to anything. You're going to just focus on the trees and the birds and focus on being mindful. And that, that could be a form of like getting your system to relax a little bit. For some people, I'm like, I want you to go lay down for 10 minutes, and listen to music if they're comfortable with that. So it, it, it kind of depends on what's going on, but but the, the whole idea of finding something that allows your nervous system to relax and start practicing that daily is kind of the biggest thing or the best thing you could do. Yes. Practicing relaxing. This is yeah. a big one. And you know, a lot of, for a lot of clients that I see who love boot camp or like these really intense workouts, I try to remind them that if you're doing that on top of stress, you're layering stress. This is something I learned from you, right? You're layering. That's a physical stress. And it's really important if you're going to do that stuff. And also you have other stressors happening in your life that you balance it out with calming. I I call it going to the calm gym, just like, you know, bicep pulls. That's practicing, relaxing, you know, it's this idea of like really actually carving out time, even if it's in small bits makes a big difference. It's like, you're putting little tourniquets on your energy. Yeah. Well, what it's doing is it is literally, so, and back to that cortisol, you know, that hormone you build or earn cortisol when you are in that relaxed rest and digest state. And so I like to think of cortisol, the the analogy I use is cortisol is like your currency that your body uses to do anything. It's like the money that your body spends on things. Anytime you're doing anything, you're spending. So if you are going for a walk, if you're going to boot camp, if you're taking your kids to the park or whatever you're doing that's physically active and or mentally active, you're spending cortisol. When you rest and you meditate and you read and you relax and you have sex, that's when your body is actually able to build that cortisol back up. So Mm -hmm. 
and everyone, you know, everyone listening has balanced a budget at some point. If you, if your spend rate is higher than the money you have coming in, you're going to go into debt. And with cortisol, I call it an energy debt. You're going to go into, and and the, the bigger that deficit is, the more physical problems you'll have in the body. So it's like putting money in a savings account. So when you meditate, that's like, oh, I put $10 in there. You want to be earning more than you're spending in terms of your energy. So, and sometimes, you know, that, that resonates with a lot of my patients because sometimes it can feel if you're someone who likes to do all the time and you're like, oh, this feels weird if I'm sitting back and chilling out and it's like Monday morning and I'm laying down for 10 minutes, that seems ridiculous. It should be getting stuff done, but you actually are doing something. You are earning energy that you're going to be able to spend later versus if you were to keep going, you're spending more and then you don't. And so when we drink coffee, when we take stimulants, when we do, you know, when we kind of push through fatigue or push through like that time when we should be resting, that's like taking out a line of credit. It's like spending money on a credit card. So the more you do that, again, the more in debt you're going to go. Mm, I love that reframe of the time that you spend calming is actually you're earning. It's like you're earning for those other things because you're exactly right. There is this view of rest is a waste of time. Rest is selfish, this negative association with rest. And not that this analogy makes it any easier. Like I'll be super honest. I am a (laughs) go-getter. I'm an adrenaline junkie. I love to do stuff. I love to have a million projects. I've just actually had coming out of an interesting couple of months where I haven't had a lot of new stuff going on and my life's been a little bit more spacious and I've had, had a lot more time to rest and digest. And there's a lot of days where I'm like, this feels uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm not sure. And I like to find myself being like, oh, I'm going to do this. And I like almost want to create some drama. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm sure in a couple months, I'm going to be running like 150 miles an hour again. I'm going to use this time as like saving up the energy, but it, it feels uncomfortable when you're used to being on the go all the time. So just if you're listening, it's okay. If you feel uncomfortable when you're not doing things, but I think it's, you have to keep practicing it. Exactly. Physical body will feel so much better. Like, and that's what I see in my patients is when they finally do calm down. And I notice this too in my life when I have more time spent in that breath, rest and digest. I'm like, wow, I don't have aches and pains. I don't get headaches. I'm sleeping better. You know, my physical, my periods are better. I'm not biting people's heads off the week before, you know, your, your physical body feels so much better. Yeah. And I love that we can kind of get real about this because my next question for you is going to be, you have this amazingly successful private practice. You've got your podcast. You're an expert in your field. You're speaking everywhere. I see you all over the place. You're running workshops and also a mother of two girls. What are your non-negotiables? And I know this is not about perfection. And I know we all have our on weeks and our off weeks and times when we're taking good care of ourselves and times when it's just like, I'll see you at the finish line. But what are some of your non-negotiables or the things that you do to carve out time to balance everything that you're doing and all of the success that you're having? Because I Mm -hmm. think, especially for women who are super ambitious, who are, have businesses to run. There's a feeling of if I step away and, you know, is that going to impact my momentum? Yeah. Well, I think that's a very normal feeling. Like I, I felt that a lot. Like, oh my gosh, I'm not starting a new thing. I'm not doing a big thing. I'll just say this. It's taken me a few years to figure out and trial and error on a few things that work, but I will say my, my one very consistent non-negotiable that I do every day is I write in a gratitude mark journal. It's like the first thing I do when I get up and, yes. and I'll speak to this real fast and I'll finish answering the question. When you are in a state of gratitude or practicing joy, you cannot also be in the fight flight state. They can't coexist. So when you, when you practice feeling, I call them elevated emotions. If you listen to Joe Dispenza, he talks about this a lot, like love practicing Dr. Joe. joy or gratitude or love the, that emotional state puts you into rest and digest. So that's the one thing I start my day 
sometimes it's 10 minutes or 20 minutes into the day, but it's usually like right, right next to my bed. Yeah. I grab it and I, you know, sometimes I'll journal a little bit longer, but that I do that every morning and every night. And it doesn't take very long. And when I travel, I actually have two of them. I have two that I like. So I, one's really quick and one's a little bit longer. So they always come with me everywhere I go. And, you know, occasionally I'll like fall asleep before, but I will always like catch up the next morning. So that's like my one consistent thing. I will um, always really have, quickly. I'm just going to yeah. chime in. That is also one of my favorites. And it's something I tell every single one of my clients. And I'm, I say to them in the beginning, I know this seems so simple, but, but it it's going to take you three minutes. Difference. Yeah. But it makes all the difference. It changes it your brain. It changes your brain. And I will say as far as like, you know, you asked about like business success and whatnot. One of mine has like, what will make today great? Or I write goals in the beginning. And I tell you, and I kid you not, the things that I write at the beginning of the day, they always happen. Like yep. if it's a financial goal I'm trying to hit, or I really want to meet this person. Or when I go to a conference, I'm always like, okay, these are the three people I want to run into. It always happens. It's like a little manifesting journal too. So Absolutely. it can be really fun. And then at the end of the day, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe those three things I wrote, they actually happened. And so it makes your life a little bit more fun. Yeah. You're telling the universe what you want, right? Like mm -hmm. also in hypnotherapy, we talk about the critical part of the mind, which basically acts as a filter. It puts your world, your perception, your behavior into patterns oh, when yeah. you, and that's programmed based on what's of value to you, your beliefs, what you think is available to you. And when you get up every day and you set those goals, you're telling the reticular activating system, this is important to me. And then you'll start to see opportunities in your environment that will align you towards those things. Yeah. It's so, it's so cool. And so awesome. I tend to do some sort of meditative practice that will vary depending on where I am in yeah. life. Like I feel like most of last year I was using brain tap. I don't know if you're familiar with brain tap. It's yeah. a headset device that you wear. It flashes blue and red light in your ears and your eyes. And it's, it's a little bit like a hypnosis. They're 15 to 20 minutes long. Guy, Dr. Patrick Porter, and he is talking to you in dual voice tracks. So one voice is coming right at you, another voice is coming in the right ear and in the left ear, and they're kind of subliminal messaging programming. So it's yep. this is definitely using reticular activation. So it, it's really cool. Um, I was on a really good kick. I was doing it twice a day for about six months. Cool. Lately, I've been a little bit more in like into walking meditations, but I about 10 to 20 minutes a day, I do something that is turning my brain off. And, yes. you know, and some days that might be listening. I'm a huge Abraham Hicks fan. Some days that might be listening to one of her meditations. Some days it's a joke, dispense a meditation, but that definitely keeps me sane. Um, yeah. and then 10 I'm to 20 minutes a day. I love 10 that. to 20 it's, minutes a day. It's doable. It's doable. It is totally doable. Um, and some days if I'm like feeling anxious and I don't feel like laying down, I will make that a walk while I do that. I'm a, I, yeah. That's the other thing that I do every day is I take at least a 10 minute walk, whether that's walking my dog, sometimes it's longer but that clears my head. It moves my body. So those are the three gratitude journals, some sort of meditation and taking a walk every day. I love that. It's so important because I do think that to your point, you brought this up in the beginning of like meditation, just like a marathon runner, you're not going to run a marathon the first day. Sometimes we think, oh, it's this huge, like I have to sit down for 30 minutes in order for this to count. And there's been plenty of research done that even just five minutes a day. Oh, five minutes, Yeah. And that's where I would recommend if you've never meditated before, or even start with one minute, like, mm -hmm. because one minute might be all you can handle. Take one minute, listen to something. Or I was telling a patient earlier today, you could take one minute, sit in a chair, close your eyes, slump down a little bit, and just like feel yourself supported by the chair. Set mm -hmm. a timer, take a couple of deep breaths. And like, that could be where you start. Yeah. And it's those, that single minute, every single day that starts yep. to add up. Yep. And it yep. becomes a part of your habit versus 
I have some patients that are like, and I have done this before too. I'll be like, all right, I'm going to go do an hour meditation a day. I'm going to do it. And then you do it for two weeks. And then you're like, oh, this is too much. I'm not going to, but if you slowly put things into place, you build the habit and it becomes a little bit more manageable. And I don't know, it's like, it's better for habit building. Yes. It's all about focusing on the schedule. I'm just going to hit my mark every day, even Mm -hmm. if it's just a minute, as opposed to all or nothing thinking of, Yes. I'm going to do 40 minutes of meditation, you know, or you might go one day. And and you might, you might get there. Like, I remember when I first, I didn't really start meditating until maybe 2018. I'd been recommending meditation for a long time, but I was like, no, I'm not going to meditate. I can't do this. It's not comfortable. (laughs) I was, you know, doing my cardio thing. But when I really started to do it and I started slow after a couple months, I was like, I feel so good. I was doing 20 minutes twice a day. Like, and it, it felt amazing. When I can't get myself to sit down, I say 10 minutes, do a little breath work, listen to Abraham Hicks, just listen to something that gets you into a frame of mind, the good feelings, yes, the good good emotions. Well, and I think that just like if you are used to exercising, you might have some days where you're like, I feel great. I'm going to run for an hour. And other days you're like, I don't feel so good. I'm going to, I'm going to run two miles. And it's pretty normal. If you're like, wow, I've been meditating for a while. And I still have some days where I just don't enjoy it. That's 100% normal. It yep. is normal to like, or to be like, I'm taking today off and that's okay. Yeah. You break. It's just, it's just, you just want some consistency to keep yes. going. You can always start again the next day, getting really, really good at shortening the fuckets. Yes. Yes. Shortening the fuckets. I'll fuck it for today, but then I'm coming back yeah. tomorrow. Just start again yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Exactly yeah. Right. Yes. As an athlete and somebody who I used to be an events director before I got into the healing yeah. arts, I was go, 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 go. Couldn't slow down. And yoga sounded awful to me. It was too slow, but that's when I got into hot yoga. So hot yoga was kind of like the gateway into yoga because it really fed to that athlete competitive side. It's hard. Yeah. And it got me in the room. Yeah. It got you in the room. And 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 the great thing about yoga is it's really physically hard. It's such a good workout, but then it couples it with breath work and you, Mm -hmm. you take a savasana. Usually there's some sort of meditative practice there. I love yoga because it teaches the body. It kind of teaches the body to balance the nervous system. Like you're actively yeah. using your arms and your legs, but you're also breathing. So you're also activating that parasympathetic. So it, it's really, it's great for the vagal nerve. It's great for, you know, the balancing of the two systems working together. Yeah. And that was the side effect that I started to feel without even knowing I was going to get that. And yeah, then you graduate for, for the exercise, right? Like, which yes. is a lot of people oh, get it. You're yeah. like, oh, this is such a good workout. The vanity. Yes. Let me look at myself in the mirror doing this pose. Look yeah. at me. I can hold it for so long. And now it's, you know, as a yoga teacher, now it's just a completely different ball game. But sometimes like finding those things that work for you. And to your point in the beginning, it might not be a meditation. It might be a 10 minute walk. Like my husband surfs, that's his meditation. You know, he's not going to sit down on a cushion and close his eyes, but he'll go surf. And that is what clears his head. So finding something that works for you is so important. And just every single day, just hit your mark one minute every day. So it's just really cool to see someone who is in your position who has an incredible education and also is like, listen, you got to meditate. You got to be you, I mean, the mindset piece is so important. Like it's so important. Mm-hmm. And in the naturopathic principles, one of the main principles is doctor should be a teacher. Like that's one of your main roles as a doctor is to teach because I can tell someone what to do, but 
if they understand why they're doing it, they're much more likely to be compliant. And compliance is the thing that gets people better, right? So I have this big whiteboard in my office. I'm always drawing pictures. And I want people to, when they leave my office or when they leave a workshop, I want you to really, really understand what's happening. Because if you really Mm -hmm. understand like why that's doing in your body, people are like, oh yeah, well, of course I'm going to do that. Of course I'm going to make that change. I think the teaching aspect is a really big, is a really important piece. So you work with people virtually, right? Mm -hmm. So do, yeah. So where can people find you that are listening? Yeah. So if you want to just see if you like my style, I'm on Instagram a lot. You can listen to my podcast. Um, You can go to my website, drerenkinney.com. If you want to book an appointment. Amazing podcast, amazing content on Instagram. (laughs) I highly recommend it. I have learned so much on your Instagram. I mean, I'm just constantly. I got into this, like I, like I got into this field because it helped me so much personally back in my twenties, I had such a profound experience with a naturopathic doctor. And I was like, I want to give this to other people. And then, you know, I've, you get into practice one-on-one and I can, I've helped a lot of people, but you can help so many more people when you have a big platform. And I feel like social media, I have a lot of issues with social media, but one of the best things about it is I can reach tons of people that may or may not want to work with me one-on-one, but I can teach them a lot. Yeah. And I'm writing a book right now. I'm, I'm actually, it's about to get picked up by a publisher, which is exciting. So, um, yeah. And it's going to be all about cortisol and all that other stuff, but I feel like that's another way that I want to be able to get information out there. If you're ready to claim control over your mind so you can get out of stress mode and start feeling better in the body, one-on-one hypnotherapy is a tool that will speed up your results. So click the link below and schedule a free 30-minute consultation call and let's chat about how to get you results in your mind and body that will actually stick. Or take a small, simple step and join the Happy Body community. If you click the link below, you'll get immediate access to my private members-only podcast, which includes mind training episodes and the Hypnosis Starter Pack, which is designed to help you lose weight, lower stress, and get healthy for life in just a few minutes a day. And all of this is accessible from your favorite podcast player. How cool is that? So just click the link below and I'll see you inside the membership.